I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to r slash entitled parents, the movie, The Manager Strikes Back. In this epic video, you're about to see some of the very best entitled parent stories from the past two or three months. Stories about Karens trying to steal cars, hijack boats, and even attempt to stab someone. All of that and more will be in this video. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and here we go. Entitled mother tried to take my friend's truck, stabbed him with a pocket knife when told no, and then the cops took her away, kicking and screaming. This is not my story, but that of a friend who authorized me to post it here when I asked him. For starters, my friend owns a blue 05 Dodge Ram 1500. It's not the most reliable model of truck, but he's kept it in dang good shape and left it looking stock, save for some aftermarket alloy wheels. He tells me he was willed the truck from his grandfather when he passed away seven years ago Caleb isn't a mechanic, but he learned how to do a lot of work on the truck himself I even helped him redo the undercoating on it and buff polish the paints This story takes place around three years ago My friend tells me this was really the one and only time he's dealt with an entitled parents He described her as looking like a teapot short and stout So from this point on, the entitled mother will be referred to as Teapot. For the sake of giving him a name, my friend in this story will be referred to as Caleb. Rewind three years, and our story begins at a local supermarket, whose name rhymes with Stormhot. I don't get why people don't just call it Walmart, by the way. They're not going to sue you, don't worry. Caleb always goes out of his way to try and get as close of a parking space to the store as possible. And on this day, he managed to do so. He went in and did the bulk of his food shopping for the next couple of weeks, and everything seemed fine. But of course, now comes the enter Karen part of this story. Caleb was pushing his cart out when he saw an older woman trying to force open the rear door of the canopy on his truck, which is odd because you could clearly see inside that he didn't really have anything of value in it other than a few tools. She didn't seem to notice him until he was super close and said to her, excuse me, what are you doing? Teapot jumped back like lightning struck, but then quickly started playing the little old lady card. Though this woman was about 50 tops, she put her hand over her heart and said in an over-exaggerated way, Oh dear, you shouldn't sneak up on people like that, young man. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, what are you doing though? Well, I was just trying to get in my truck. I locked my keys inside by mistake and I can't get in. Lady, that's not your truck. Yes, it is. I just got it last year. Oh, really? Then what model year is it? It's, um, it's a 2010. Uh, Just look at how clean and new it looks. No, lady, it's an 05. I know this because it's my truck. Caleb then produced the keys and pressed the button on the fob to unlock the door. 
He said teapot first went white, then red with anger. It's pretty much full stereotypical Karen after this. Oh, well, listen here, you little idiot. You don't deserve a truck this nice. It'd be a lot better for someone like my son. He's a local college student, you know, and he needs a nice shiny vehicle like this to get around in. Are you loopy, lady? My truck isn't for sale. And even if it was, how much would you even give me for it? Teapot started to look smug and pulled a checkbook from her purse. I can give you 1500 for it right now. Caleb facepalmed so hard, he said he hurt his nose. Lady, my truck is worth several times that, and I've personally kept up with its maintenance for several years. There's no way in heck I'd take $1,500 for it. Plus, there's no way I'd hand over the title unless I was paid with cash. I do not trust checks. Teapot moved to get up in his face, which was funny because he was a full foot taller than her. She was about to speak when Caleb silenced her with a loud, don't even think about it, lady. My truck isn't yours for the taking. It never will be. Now, leave me alone so I can unload my groceries in peace and go home. He then did his best to try and ignore Teapot as she began screaming and saying she'd call the police. Caleb then just yelled back, well, call them then. And she actually did. She pulled out an old flip phone and began fake crying while speaking with the person on the other end. Caleb finished loading his groceries and locked the truck because he wasn't about to drive off with police on their way. When the police arrived, Teapot actually flopped down onto the ground and started fake crying like a baby while flailing her arms and legs around and pointing at Caleb, screaming, he knocked me to the ground and stole my truck. And then he said he'd come back later and hurt my family. Arrest him now. The two police officers that had showed up were an older man with a mustache and a younger one that Caleb said he guessed was a rookie because the younger cop was immediately getting ready to aim his taser when the older one stopped him so they could assess the situation first. Caleb raised both hands and calmly stated that nothing Teapot said was true and that she'd been harassing him since he caught her trying to break into his truck. Teapot, while still having a tantrum on the ground, yelled, He's lying! Arrest him! The rookie officer spoke with Teapot while the moustache one spoke with Caleb. Since he was so close to the store, Caleb stated that he bet that the security cameras picked up the whole thing. It was at that point that Teapot gave up on her act and started screaming like a banshee while running at Caleb with a small pocket knife she pulled from her purse. Caleb tried to back away and held his hands up and the knife went right through his left palm, which he described to me as one of the most painful things he'd ever felt. She pulled the knife out and tried to stab him again when the rookie tackled her to the ground and tased her. Teapot flailed around and started screaming and sobbing like a baby. When she finally stopped moving, the moustached officer cuffed her while the rookie called for an ambulance. Teapot was loaded into the police cruiser, kicking and screaming, Help! Police brutality! Someone help me! Caleb was taken to the hospital to tend to the stab wound in his hand. It turns out he was actually incredibly lucky as the knife had gone right between the bones, not damaging any tendons. Later in court, Teapot actually tried to plead not guilty, but the evidence against her was overwhelming as she was charged with attempted murder, attempted grand theft auto, and a few other things. The judge sentenced her to be put in a mental facility because she clearly was not well. As soon as that happened, Teapot flipped out and began trying to charge at the judge, But again, she was quickly grabbed by the guards and hauled out of the courtroom. Also, during the trial, Caleb met Teapot's son. Turns out he'd gone no contact with her as soon as he was old enough to move out 
because she was the most controlling and overbearing mother you could imagine. Ever since then, she'd been trying to show up at his apartment and bring him nice things he suspected she'd stolen just to try and get him to talk to her. I guess she figured that Caleb's shock would have gotten her back in her son's good graces or something. Now, despite happening a while ago, this story is only getting written now because Caleb decided to check up on Teapot by searching her name online. She's still at the mental facility and he found out from her son through social media that she looks to likely be staying there for quite some time to come. Yeah, this story honestly just makes me sad because, you know, it's just a terrible situation for everyone involved. Obviously, OP's been stabbed, so not great for him. But in fear of you guys telling me that I'm being stupid here, I genuinely feel bad for the woman as well. It's so clear that she's not well. It's like, it's a shame that it's taken this long for people to understand that mentally she is just not in a good place. Really, there should have been a way that she should have gone to hospital or, you know, like a psych ward earlier than this. It shouldn't have taken someone being stabbed for people to understand that, you know, she probably was not in the best place and she seems very, very ill. And also for her kid, like imagine that upbringing having to deal with this woman as your mother yes she is mentally ill but still it's a lot of stress on him and oh it's a tough one honestly i feel bad for everyone involved op sorry it happened to you sorry that this mom is mentally ill and is looking for validation from her son and i'm sorry that the son had to go through a terrible upbringing it's a tough one i feel terrible for all and i know what you're all saying this woman stabbed someone. Why are you being so nice to her? I'm not being nice. I'm just trying to be understanding and say that I don't think that she was in control of what was going on there. She is clearly in a terrible, terrible place. Does it excuse the fact that she stabbed someone? But she's now in a good place where she can hopefully one day recover and, you know, get over any mental illnesses that she has. And now moving on to our second story. I know who put glass in your ice cream and it certainly wasn't the staff. Many years ago now, I had taken my friends out to dinner at a friendly sort of restaurant. If you catch my drift, I I don't, but I'm sure you'll explain. They serve greasy American food and a whole bunch of ice cream. Um, guys, if you're in America and you can fill me in on what that reference is to, comment down below. I don't get it. But anyway, on with the story. My friends were a couple with a baby, and we were all seated one table over from a group with a family that consisted of both parents, and I want to say three kids who were so off the wall, they seemed more like five and one infant. Clearly, this family instilled discipline using loud volume at home, which doesn't really work in a public setting like a restaurant. The kids were very obnoxious and very loud all through their meal. So the dad decrees that only the parents will be getting ice cream because they're the only ones who behaved. I will say in the parents' defense that they did try and keep control over their hellions. Lots of glares promising this discussion isn't over. That particular parental tone that one has when one would really love to yell, but obviously can't because they're in public. But once the ice cream had hit the fan, even those techniques were not coming close to restraining the kids any longer. They actually take their protest mobile. Now they're running around the restaurant being a gigantic pain in the butt. One of them actually bumps the high chair my friend's infant was in. And Monkey, the baby, went from peacefully snoozing to furious at the whole world. At this point, the mother ups her game and starts whacking her glass sundae dish with her metal spoon to get the kid's attention. And using the bell-like tone to draw the kid's attention so they know what's coming if they don't get back and sit down. It works and the kids eventually come back and the mum takes a bite of ice cream. Then she gets a look on her face like she went to fart and got a surprise and clasps both hands over her mouth running to the bathroom She comes out a few minutes later and whispers to the father what happened 
And at that point, the few frayed bits of control he had over his temper just dissolve. He starts screaming bloody murder about the restaurant trying to kill the mother, how he's going to get this whole place shut down. The waitress comes over to see what exactly is going on, and she's blown aside and left sobbing in his dust. He is slowed briefly by the manager, and the guy homes in on the poor sap scooping ice cream. He grabs the front of his uniform and actually lifts him up off the floor with one hand, which I didn't actually think was a thing people could do. But the father was a large man and the poor kid scooping ice cream was rather scrawny. Two other guys from the kitchen see what's happening and grab the father because holy heck, this isn't a movie. They're at least successful in preventing the father from punching the poor kid. And the imminent violence ceases when the mother shouts, I'm bleeding, we need to go. The father drops the kid, shakes off the two dudes who'd grabbed him, and the whole family skedaddles before the police arrive, promising to sue. The waitress, the manager, and the kitchen folks all have a brief huddle, trying to figure out what the heck all that was about. The father was furious enough to sound incoherent, and no one knew why the mother was bleeding. The police arrive at the front of the restaurant, and the manager goes out to talk to them, while our poor waitress gathers what few shards of dignity she has and asks how we'd like to pay for our meal. I go to hand her my debit card and say, that was something else, huh? I don't know how that guy didn't realize that she was the one who broke her own dish and put glass in her ice cream. The waitress freezes when she hears this, my card in hand, and asks me to repeat myself. I do, and she zips over to the manager and the cops who walk over to me. I relate everything I saw, and the manager thanks me to an uncomfortable extent and asks for contact information just in case they do decide to sue. I get my card and the bill and found out the manager had comped our entire meal and given us each a free ice cream card to be redeemed whenever. I actually got a few phone calls about a year later from lawyers on both sides. The plaintiff's counsel sounded morose after hearing from me, and the defense's counsel sounded positively gleeful. Oh, mate, I can completely understand why the restaurant and the manager are so happy that you've come up with this, because I'll tell you what, think about it from the manager's perspective. You have just saved that company, that restaurant, so much hassle, money, aggravation, stress, anxiety. A free meal is the least he was going to give you, mate. You've just saved them massively. Like, imagine if you actually hadn't said anything there, and they genuinely thought there was actual glass in this lady ice cream that they had caused they'd be screwed the lawsuit everything the money it would have been terrible for them and they would never have known that it was actually her that caused it because there was no evidence so they would have been absolutely screwed you've saved them so much more than you could ever imagine well done to you for stepping up and you know saying what really happened i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Entitled mother tries to get her name on my car. Hello everyone. I recently posted a story about my husband's entitled stepmother and the encouraging responses I received have given me the courage to post about my entitled mother. If you read my other post, you will have a sense of how entitled the Karen in that story was. But my entitled mother makes her look like Mother Teresa. Not kidding. I'm 46 now, but this story begins when I was 14. 
The backstory is long and the story itself spans 18 months. So this is going to be a very long one. Sorry in advance. Don't apologize. Here we go. First off, the backstory. I'm the youngest of three kids. I have two older brothers and my mother really shouldn't have had children. I later realized that she is a sociopath. But as a kid, I only knew she was a huge manipulator and was a great actress. She did evil things and could turn on the tears when appropriate and play the victim. My grandparents were wonderful people and sadly were just blind to their children's bad behavior. My mother was the oldest of three children and she had two younger brothers and they were all terrible adults. My grandparents built a second house on their property for my mother and stepfather, who was just as evil as my mother. We technically lived with my mum and stepdad in that second house, but it was my grandparents who really took care of us. They paid the bills for both houses, grew a garden, and put food on both tables. My grandparents bought our school clothes and were the ones that got us Christmas presents from Santa each year. My grandmother would actually get up each morning, walk to our house, get us all up out of bed, dressed, and walk us to the bus stop, and made sure we got on the bus we'd come home from school and go to grandma's house for snacks to do homework play and we wouldn't really go to the second house until it was time to go to bed my mother and stepdad both worked a job and knew how to blow through money and cry poor to my grandparents who would pay the bills for the sake of the grandkids my grandparents were wonderful people who really loved us but were sadly just plain naive about my mother and the abuse she subjected me and my brothers to. When my mother married my stepfather, me and my brothers were very young, and I don't have but a few memories of my biological father. My mother enrolled us into school with the last name of my stepfather, and I just always assumed that my stepfather had adopted us. It wasn't until my oldest brother got his driver's permit, and I saw that his last name on the license was that of my biological father's that I started asking questions. My oldest brother was three years older than me and told me that his birth certificate said his last name wasn't that of our stepfathers. And so I asked if mine and my other brother's name were the same. He just told me that he didn't know. But I did some sneaking around when no one was home and found my birth certificate and social security card. And they both showed that my last name was that of my biological father's. That meant that I was 12 years old when I found out what my real name was. As we grew up, I watched as my mum would take my brother's earnings from their jobs. And even though each of them had bought their own vehicles, she got her name on their titles and then would threaten to take away their cars if she didn't get what she wanted. So now you have an idea of who she is. And this now leads me to my story. I got a job waiting tables when I was 14. Yes, I was technically not old enough to work, but sometimes you do what you have to do. I was paid in cash for my hours and of course my tips. My grandparents made sure I got to and from work and I saved every bit of cash I could from my mother. She took some of my money, unfortunately, but I was able to hide away most of it. I worked 40 or more hours a week and went to school as well and made good grades. I didn't mind working so much because it got me out of the house and the more I worked, the more I made. Fast forward a year and I'm at my best friend's house and we were having a conversation that went like this. I'm going to get my permit in six months and I need to figure out how to get a car. I've saved quite a bit of money, but I'm not sure how to actually get one. My best friend replied, I don't know either. How much money do you have? Well, I've saved about $2,000. 
By the time I'm 15 and a half, I should have at least 2.5k or more if I keep working the hours I work now. That's a lot. You should be able to get something with that, surely. Yeah, but I don't know much about cars and I can't ask grandma or grandpa because they'll tell my mum and then she'll take the car from me. Now, my best friend's dad, who has been listening this whole time, gets involved in the conversation. Hey, OP. I have a motor and transmission sitting in my garage that I can't use. Didn't you once say that your grandfather has a garage? Yeah, he's got a large garage that he uses to fix his cars, tractors, and other mechanical things that need fixing. So if you had the parts, he's got the space and tools to fix a car. Yeah, I suppose so. What are you doing this weekend? I'm having to work the morning shift on Saturday, but I get off at 1 p.m. Can you come over after you get off work? Yes, why? I think I can help you with your problem, but don't say anything to anyone. Okay. So Saturday rolls around and I get off work. Now, when my grandpa picks me up, I asked if he would drive me to my friend's house so we can do some homework. I was good at maths and she was good at science and we'd help each other out with homework because I sucked at science and she sucked at maths. He said sure and drove me over and dropped me off. I go in the house and there is my best friend and her dad both ready to go out. The dad said, we're going shopping. This is going to be great, said my friend. But what are we actually shopping for? I questioned. I'll tell you in the car on the way. Let's just go. We get into the car and as we are driving to town, the dad explains that the transmission and motor in his garage had come from a family member's car who had died and the car itself was trashed, but they were able to pull the motor and transmission, which were fine. Now, they scrapped the car, but they didn't really have a use for the motor or transmission. He said that he spent $100 to replace a few parts on the motor that needed replacing he said that if i wanted the motor and transmission he would sell them to me for a hundred dollars and that our trip to town today was to find a car that would fit it i told him okay this wonderful man drove me and my friend to a local junkyard to find a car he had connections with several junk car owners and knew that one of them had a car that would fit the motor and transmission he had and was in great condition and he was actually thinking of buying the car for himself But when he heard about me trying to get a car, he thought it would be better for me. We arrive at the junkyard and I'm thinking there's no way I'm going to get a car here. But way in the back of the yard was this 1979 Chevy Monte Carlo that was beautiful. It was just a shell of a car. No motor, transmission, tires or anything. But the car itself was perfect. No dents and the paint was still in great condition. I actually couldn't believe how pretty the car was. A metallic brown the dad explains to me that i can get the car motor and transmission and he would take me to town with a parts list and i can buy all the parts he would arrange to have the car and all parts delivered to my grandparents house but only if i thought i could convince my grandfather to put it together i told him that i was on board so i bought the car shell and had to get the front and rear axles and rims from another car at the same junkyard The dad made sure that the owner listed me as the buyer on the bill of sale. This will come into play later. And then for the rest of the day, he took me to parts stores to get all the parts I would need, including tires. Now I did offer to pay the dad for gas, but he wouldn't take any money from me. I was nervous about going down this route, but the dad knew exactly what he was doing. And he even helped me to track down the original owner of the car to sign over the title to me. Now I'm still not sure why this was wholly necessary, but something about having a real title instead of a junkyard title was important. I paid for all the expenses and the dad walked me through the process. This was a Saturday. 
but it took till the next Saturday before the dad could get everything arranged for delivery. So, Friday night, I told Grandpa what I did, but I wasn't really sure how he was going to take the news. So, in wanting to protect the amazing dad in case things went badly, I told my grandpa that I had been the instigator in wanting to buy the parts, and the dad had simply helped me, thinking it was okay with my grandpa. To my utter amazement, my grandpa started smiling, and we had the following conversation. You're telling me that tomorrow, the dad is going to be delivering a car, transmission, motor, and other car parts here, and you just want me to put the car together for you? Well, yeah, I figured it was cheaper to buy the car this way, and since you have the garage and the tools, you could do it. The boys, my brothers, could help too. I know I didn't ask, and I'm asking a lot from you, but I don't have to borrow any money from anyone to do it this way, and by the time I get my driver's permits, I'll have my own car. My grandpa had a sly smile on his face. How much have you spent total on everything? I've spent $736.27. I'd already totaled up my receipts and this was for everything. I still remember the total to this day. Really? And you've got everything we need to put the car together? Yeah, I believe so. But if I've missed something, I can get it and you'll tell me what I need, I'm sure. Well, you've already spent the money, so there's no going back on it. I actually wish you would have taken me with you so I could make sure everything you bought is what you need. I guess your brothers are going to be busy tomorrow. With this, I gave him a huge hug and thanked him profusely. I knew he had his doubts and was thinking I probably got taken for over $700, but he was willing to see how things panned out. The next day, just as my friend's dad had said, a truck arrived with the car and all the parts. My friend was with her dad in another vehicle behind the truck. And my grandpa directed the driver to the garage where he watched everything get unloaded My brothers were there and everyone was just amazed when they got a look at the actual car and the condition it was in My grandpa went over and shook my friend's dad's hand and thanked him for helping me And then my friend and her dad left after I thanked him repeatedly and again offered him money for the gas Which he again refused My grandpa came over to me and just winked at me and told the boys to get to work My entitled mother showed up a few hours after the work began and was being filled in by my grandpa on what was going on. Needless to say, she was very upset that she wasn't involved in the process and kept saying that it wasn't going to work. It took about three weeks for my brothers and my grandpa to get the car put together because they didn't work on it every day, mostly on Saturdays. I kept asking my grandpa if I needed any more parts and he said that I got everything and that I made a very savvy decision. After three weeks, my car was in running condition and my grandpa began to show me how to check oil, change tires and basic things I would need to know about owning my first car. Fast forward a few months and I'm now 15 and a half and I go to take my test for my learner's permits. Now, I didn't mention this before, but my grandparents had a farm, so I was able to learn how to drive in my car on the farm without endangering people on the streets. So I felt prepared for my test. After passing my test and getting my permits, I now needed to get some insurance. After work one day, I walked a half block down the street to the insurance agency that my entire family used. I knew I was a minor and I was dreading having to ask to be put on my mother's insurance. So I was going to ask if I could be put on my grandparents' insurance. I walk into the insurance agency and have the following conversation. I greet an insurance agent inside. Hi, remember me? Of course, you are so-and-so's daughter and the granddaughter of your grandparents. Yes, I just got my learner's permit a few days ago and I need to get some insurance. You sure do. 
Come into my office and let's take a look as i'm following him into the office I say do I have to be on my mother's policy? I was getting ready to ask if I could be put on my grandparents policy But before I could ask the agent replied Well, you can have your own policy, but it's expensive. I wouldn't advise it. Wait, what you mean? I can have my own policy even though i'm a minor. Yeah This state has licensed you to drive and also requires you to have insurance Therefore you can get your own policy if you'd like But most kids get insurance on their parents policy to save money But I can get my own policy in my name and no one else's Yes, but I wouldn't advise doing that because it is very expensive Even though you've got good grades and are a girl it would be very expensive But I do want my own policy. Are you sure? Absolutely So after getting the information together about my car and explaining liability insurance He gives me the quote for six months and then the quote for what it would be for month to month I wrote him out a check to cover the six months and his mouth just kind of dropped He once again tried to give me a quote on what it would be if I was to go on my mum's policy But I never gave him the chance. I wanted my own policy I left that day with an insurance card and I was feeling very good as I walked back to the cafe that I worked at And waited for my grandma to pick me up When she picked me up, I told her I took care of insurance that day But didn't tell her any details and told her that I wanted to go to the tag agency in two days To have the title of my car transferred into my name I asked her if she would be willing to put her name on my car since I was a minor And she told me that if I wanted that then she would do that I thanked her and told her we would do it in two days as soon as I got off school since I didn't have to work that day Fast forward to two days and I get home from school walked into the kitchen to find my grandma cooking I asked her if she was ready to go and she turned to me and said the following I was talking to your mother and she said that since she is your mother That her name is the one that should be on your car and she is coming by to pick you up and take you to the tag agency My heart sank a little bit and I was annoyed that my grandma had been talking to my mum I don't think it has to be an actual parent. I think it can be any adults. I replied Well, she is your mother and it is more appropriate that her name go on your car than mine As soon as my grandma said those words my mum pulls up and honks her horn I am so mad at this point and I just walk out the door and get into her car Did your grandma tell you what we talked about? My mum said Yes Good You've got all the paperwork? Yes On the ride over, I was seething. I vowed her name wasn't going to go on my car. She had done this to my brothers and had repeatedly denied them their cars when she got mad and wanted control over them, even though she never spent a dime to buy their cars or insurance. I vowed to myself that I would put my grandma's name on my title even if she wasn't with me. We get to the tag agency and wait in line. It gets to my turn and I lay the title, bill of sale, insurance card, and my ID on the counter, and the nice lady picked them up. She takes a few minutes to look over the paperwork and then addresses me. So your name is spelled like this, correct? It is an odd spelling, so I understand that she wants to make sure that it's spelled correctly. As she gets to the third letter, my entitled mum interrupts her. Excuse me, um, she is a minor and my daughter, and my name needs to be on the title. I'm about to say something about putting my grandma's name on it when the lady says Well, your daughter's the only name on the bill of sale So her name is the only one that has to be on the title. Thank you to my friend's dad for that But she is a minor and can't have a car in her name I'm her mother and my name has to go on the title. That's not actually how it works 
the only name that has to go on the title is the name that appears on the bill of sale it doesn't matter that she is a minor she can own a car in her own name my mum is getting red and very mad at this point but i am her mother and she is a minor stressing each word slowly as if she's talking to a small child who just doesn't understand the tag agency lady now looks at my mum irritated that doesn't matter she can have it in her name if she wants i could have jumped over the counter and hugged and kissed this woman at this point but the lady cuts off my mum and looks at me do you want your mother on your title no Okay, then let's carry on. So again, you spell your name like this and she begins to repeat back to me the spelling of my name Leaving my mum furious at being cut off and not getting what she wanted After the lady verifies all the information She informs us she has to go to type up the paperwork and that it will be a few minutes She isn't that far from the counter and I know that she and her co-workers can hear the following conversation That then happens between me and my mum You know, you won't be able to drive the car if you don't have insurance I know, but I have insurance Not if I cancel it, then you can't drive But I have my own insurance No you don't, you're a minor and you can't have your own insurance You have to be on my policy Nope, I got my own insurance All right, well, I know you're lying. When we leave here, I'm going to cancel it. We just stood there in silence, waiting for the agency lady to get finished with my paperwork. And I'm just vowing that she is not going to cancel my insurance. And I can tell she is seething that she didn't get her name on my title. Now it's clear she's in a hurry to get to the insurance agency so she can try and cancel my insurance. The lady returns to the counter and smiles very sweetly at me and says, here is your paperwork and you should get your title in about a week. Congratulations on your car and good luck. I turned and saw that at that point I was by myself because my entitled mum had already left the building and was getting into her car ready to leave. I leave and get into the passenger side and I don't say a word as she speeds out of the parking lot. The insurance agency is less than a mile down the road and I swear my mum was doing 80 to get there. As soon as we pull into the parking lot, she gets out and practically runs into the building and I was just trying to keep up. I was ready for a fight to keep her from cancelling my insurance. She got into the building before I could get there. And when I entered the building, she was already shouting for the insurance agent who was exiting his office as I entered the door. My daughter says she has her own insurance. Yes, she does. But she can't have that. She's a minor. It must be against the law. Mom, she's been licensed to drive by our states and they require her to carry insurance. It doesn't matter that she's a minor. She can have her own insurance. It is the law. But she is a minor. She says the word minor very slowly. Like again, she's trying to explain to him the meaning of the word. That doesn't matter. She is required by a law to carry insurance. Fine. And I tried to talk her out of getting a policy in her own name because it's expensive. But she insisted. Oh, that is ridiculous. I want you to cancel her insurance right now. She is still screaming at the top of her lungs. Mom, the policy is in her own name. And the only way her policy can be cancelled is if she fails to pay or request to cancel it herself. Since she's already paid for the policy in full, then only a request from her can cancel that policy. I finally interject at this point. I don't want to cancel my policy. She is a minor and this is against the law. No, mom, it isn't against the law. Without another word, my mum turns on her heels and heads out the door. 
I'm out, I'm sorry, and thank you to the agents, and turned to run out the door myself. She was trying to drive out the parking lot before I even got in the car, so I rushed to get in the car because I did not want to walk the 10 miles back to my grandparents' farm. On the drive home, she was driving whilst hitting me in the passenger seat, telling me what an ungrateful girl I was, that if I died, no one would be able to do anything with the car since no one's name was on the car. I just endured the hitting and actually didn't feel most of it. I couldn't believe that I actually ended up in a position where she couldn't take my car and had no hold over me. I was so happy inside. When we got to my grandparents' farm, I had to actually jump out of the car while it was moving because she wasn't going to take the time to drop me off. I walked into the kitchen where my grandma was still cooking. How did it go? It went well, grandma. Did you get everything settled? Sure did. I walked over and gave her a kiss. All my anger from earlier had disappeared. Had my grandma taken me to the tag agency, I would have probably put her on my title. And somewhere down the line, my entitled mum may have convinced her to sign the title over to her. I know this. This is one of the rare times where my grandmother's naive nature about my entitled mum had actually worked in my favor. That car saved my life. Literally, I was able to leave the farm just a few months later since I now had transportation and no one had the right to take it away from me Sorry, this post was long and i'm sad to say this is only one story of many But it was one of the few times where I came out on top if you're still reading Thank you for your time and have a great day. I couldn't echo that more Wow, uh, where to even begin with this story? What an absolute marathon. I hope you guys enjoyed it Uh, It was definitely a long one probably one of the longest stories that i've ever read longest single stories i've ever read on my channel But you guys have been asking for longer stories and I thought you know what? Let's give the people what they want So I hope you guys enjoyed this one as for op as I always say with these people You know, it must be so hard living with parents like that pretty much just you know Stealing and and thieving and just using your own kids for their own goods, right? This mum has nothing to do with this car She hasn't you know got any of the money for the car hasn't paid for it has nothing to do with the insurance nothing it's her kid's car it's op's car but still she wants her name somehow associated with it so that she can control her own children it's mad if your child has done well enough and has worked their butt off to get enough money to buy a car at the age of 15 and a half which i guess must be legal in whatever state this is in then just please like surely you have to be you know really proud of them and say to them you've done an amazing job to do that well at 15 and a half not try and you know ruin it for them and and steal their car and have control over it it's mental but hey that's an entitled parent for you entitled mum calls the police on me because of my cancer for some backstory i live in a small rather dodgy town near the coast of england which naturally comes with an unusual amount of entitled chavs and 16 year old entitled mums this incident occurred a little over two years ago i hadn't yet been diagnosed at this point but i was just one week later i'm also noticeably autistic and anyone who actually pays attention to an interaction with me can easily tell that something is off Thankfully, I'm high functioning, which means I'm able to function relatively normally in society, but I still have a lot of difficulty being completely oblivious to social cues and such, as well as some few ticks here and there. Anyway, onto the story. I was with my mates, we'll call them James and Harry, and it was a relatively sunny day by British standards, so we decided to go into town. All three of us had taken our skateboards with us, thinking we could go down to the beach in the evening and skate along the old concrete docks when it had cleared out for the day. In the meantime, we decided to go get a coffee and then head out to the skate park. Enter the entitled mum of this story and her children. 
Now, when we arrived at the skate park, we all immediately noticed three little crotch goblins. The oldest looked around six at most, running around, climbing up the ramps, etc. Now, I am by no means a professional at skating, nor are my friends, but I knew that having three little kids running around while we skated was not safe. We were mostly concerned for their safety rather than ours, as we could take a tumble. How else do you learn to skate? But the kids could really get hurt. So I decided to go and ask the eldest kindly where their mum was and if they could move to the children's park, which was empty and right next to the skate park. Just to interject quickly, guys, I've never been massively into skateboarding myself, but I've been watching it at the Olympics the last week or so. It's been amazing. It's so good. If you haven't seen the Olympic skateboarding, go and watch it. Get the highlights. It's unreal. Now, I hadn't even finished the first word to this kid when all of a sudden I heard a screech from behind me. I turn around to see what's happening and that's when I see her. Typical chav mum. Badly dyed dark red hair, cheap earrings, hoops so big a gymnast could use them, dressed in a dirty pink onesie. That's what we call single piece jumpsuit like pajamas in England. A cigarette in one hand and a cheap Stella beer in the other, furiously walking towards the park. She's looking straight at me as she gets closer to the park and I decide to ask the kid if that was his mother Big mistake as I turn back to face the kid. She suddenly yells get the f away from my kids you freaking nonce Um, (laughs) wow for those of you that don't know if you're american nonce is pretty much uh, Someone who likes kids to you know put it plainly at this point. I realize i'm in it for the long run My friends tried to calm her down and explain and I was simply asking the kid if he could move to the dedicated kids park Which I repeat was right next to the skate park. She calms down a bit, but not much She's still very irate saying we've got no right to talk to kids at our age. We were barely 16 at the time We again explained that I was simply asking to know where his mother was and I would have gladly come to her first If we knew whose kids they were at that point now she's calmed down a little bit But she's still shooting glares that feel like daggers and she insinuates once again that I am a kid lover (laughs) Very strange. I'm annoyed, but to be honest, i'm kind of used to these types of interactions in this town She gathers up her little hex bonds to quote make sure they're safe Again shooting me daggers and tells us her kids have the right to play here Now, we answered that yes, of course, technically they do, but having them around could be potentially dangerous. As you know, we could hit them by accident while skating. Well then, why don't you just skate somewhere else? My mate James said, well, this is the only skate park in town and the council built it specifically to stop people skating elsewhere and potentially injuring others. I continue. Listen, we just want to make sure your children are safe. There's a park with swings and proper slides instead of having them go down ramps. It's right there. I point next to the skate park. This is the only place that we have to practice safely And to be honest, i'd even be fine with the kids staying here as long as you keep an eye on them and they don't get in our way Fine, she says while I kid you not blowing cigarette smoke directly into her youngest face The day goes on without much more happening Just the kids getting in the way occasionally and then crying about not being allowed to use our skateboards Which the mum did make a small fuss about but it wasn't that bad Until I sit down at the bench exhausted from the skating and feeling a migraine coming on as well as being pretty dizzy Now although by this point I hadn't been diagnosed My doctor previously believed I had high blood pressure that caused these chronic migraines as a result I've been given medication that I carried in a small pill box as I had to take them regularly as well as some ibuprofen Which I was told to take as soon as I felt a migraine brewing 
I'd also started the habit of keeping a few mints in the other compartments of my pill box to wash out the disgusting taste of the pills. James and Harry both came to sit with me as they knew that I had not been very well recently, having passed out a few times in school and constantly being plagued with vertigo and migraines. I pulled out my pill box, took my meds with a big gulp of water, and then took a mint, which I offered to both my friends. Then, as each of them took one, that was when we heard it. Oh my god, how dare you take drugs in front of my kids? At this point, knowing I'm exhausted, Harry takes the lead. This is just his meds. He's got chronic migraine. That is bull. You chat more poop than my nan's bar. I freaking saw all three of you take them. You're all so freaking disgusting doing drugs in a kid's park in front of my freaking kids. Bear in mind, she is spewing all those swear words that I can't say because YouTube will hate me right in front of her oh-so-delicate children. At this point, Harry has had enough as all the previous small pestering has built up and he was done being polite. He actually just burst out laughing. Bruv, those were sweets, you mental idiot. Now please, leave us alone. We were kind enough to not purposefully slam into your kids, even though you didn't keep an eye on them like you said you would. They did the exact opposite of staying out of the way. Then the entitled mum replied, How dare you talk to me like this, you... Wow, that, yeah, that, that is actually going to have to be censored. Mad word. She then pulled out her phone and said, I'm calling the police all with a huge grin on her face. Meanwhile, my migraine had taken a turn for the worst, yet I'm not really surprised with all that shouting. I hear her in the background yelling loudly like she was in mortal danger about some kids doing drugs to a poor 999 dispatcher. At this point, I start puking, like seriously puking. The vertigo had kicked in and my migraine was at full strength. As I heard her screech, one of them is ODing right in front of me and my kids. You need to send an officer over here right now. Harry and James quickly come to my help. Harry trying to keep me from falling over as I'm dry retching to the point it's making my throat bleed while James goes to get my water bottle. The entire mum, upon seeing me unfortunately puke up some blood, looks at me and says, Oh, that's disgusting. At this point, Harry was trying to get her to calm down and actually help, as I was in a much worse state than he'd ever seen me, asking if she had napkins. She looks at him with the same daggers she'd shown me at the beginning of the day and says, No. Besides, that's what he deserves for taking drugs in a kid's park. He can die for all I care. Thankfully, this not being the biggest of towns, the police station was just around the corner of the park. And the officers, yes, five officers in total, drugs and violence are quite common around here, so they'd taken the call very seriously, had arrived just in time to hear that last interaction. Although they didn't understand the full situation yet, they were still baffled by her words. I passed out right then and there as I saw them approaching me. I came back to relatively quickly, I'd say about 20 to 30 seconds later, and the entire mum was droning on and on about how I'd clearly taken drugs and was having an overdose or something. Harry and a policeman were now standing over me while James explained to another the full story. Harry handed me my water bottle along with my pillbox, which the policeman took to inspect. In one compartment was the ibuprofen, clearly identifiable by the bright pink sugar coating on it. In the UK, at least, we have that. I don't know about elsewhere. And in the other, Tic Tacs. Yes, those drugs we supposedly took were none other than Tic Tacs. The officer just looked confused as anything and handed me an ibuprofen, watching me down a full litre of water before checking me over for any injuries and asking if I was feeling okay, to which I nodded and slowly got up. 
By that time, James had explained everything to the four other officers, and they were understanding and patient, considering behind them was an irate woman telling them that he was a freaking liar and that we were so obviously high. In the end, the fifth officer showed the pillbox to the four others, who had found nothing while searching my bag. They all looked at the Tic Tac compartment, dumbfounded. I heard James say that they are clearly Tic Tacs, and one of the officers just took one out, put it in his mouth to test it, and just smirked. They then walked back my way and handed me the pillbox. The officer then pointed out that I didn't look well at all, and was very pale, and just offered to walk me back home, as he didn't feel comfortable leaving me to walk that far alone. I gladly accepted the offer and made a big show of offering all the officers a tic-tac as I left I'm not sure what happened to the entitled mum as me and my friends all decided to just go back to mine So I could rest and we could duke it out on smash bros But the four officers did stay behind So I think she got a stern talking to a few days later I was brought to hospital where they discovered that the supposed chronic migraines that had made me pass out Were in fact due to leukemia my days what a story uh, honestly this is probably one of the most disgusting entitled women that i've ever come across in any of these stories and what's worse is that being from england myself i can completely picture and you know even hear her voice like rasping in my brain if you live in england you'll know exactly the sort of person that op has met here it's a horrible human being that's all i can say a couple things that i wasn't completely sure on first off with the police officer just trying the tic tac i'm not sure if that would happen maybe he smelt it or something and was like no this actually is a tic tac or could determine it from the shape but if i was a police officer there i probably wouldn't you know want to actually risk taking an actual drug it'd be weird for someone to offer me one but you never know some kids in england are very strange a little bit risky but maybe it happened i'm not sure what do you reckon and then secondly i know the title is entitled mum calls the police on me because of my cancer but to be fair she had no idea that you did have cancer at that point neither did you so i think that's a little bit of a stretch of a title but we do actually have an update from op about his cancer and what happened after this as of course when this story happened he didn't even know that he did have cancer and we only just got to you know understand at the end that he was dying diagnosed a week later so op says with so many concerned about my health i feel i should just make a main comment to reassure everyone i'm two years into my treatment now and i'm much better the migraines are gone and i'm almost a whole year post bone marrow transplants i still take a lot of medication such as painkillers antibiotics and supplements to treat the side effects of the very aggressive treatment i had to undergo due to a specific mutation, as well as some oral chemo as maintenance, both to try and keep me from relapsing, as well as keeping my graft versus host disease in check. Well, good COP that you're all right. I mean, that sounds disgusting. Jesus, I'm, I'm so sorry, but yeah, good to hear you're on the mend. Entitled parent demands a different waiter because I stutter. About two years back, I worked as a waiter at a local restaurant. I was about 16 and, as mentioned, had a stutter. Add to that a Romanian accent on top, and I know a waiter probably wasn't my best option for a job. But the stutter didn't really cause many problems. Most people were very patient with me, and it never seemed to bother people, aside from a few every once in a while that seemed a little annoyed. But there was this one lady that made a huge scene out of it. She looked like the typical Karen, middle-aged blonde lady, and she had three children, all between five and ten. The typical, I want to speak to your manager lady. And funny enough, we'll come back to that. She came in with her kids and her husband and sat down at one of the tables that I was in charge of that night. I came over and asked if they'd like something to drink, stuttering on a word or two. Immediately, the torture begins. She gives me this confused, unimpressed look and no answer. 
This was my worst fear. I didn't want anyone to be mad at me for my stutter, so I just followed it with, sorry, I have a stutter. She said, it's all right, in a pretty annoyed tone. They ordered their drinks, and she rolled her eyes in the end as the cherry on top. I went back to get a table or two and their drinks, but I couldn't get it out of my head. I tried to not let it bother me, but I always felt bad when I thought I was unconvincing a customer. And at the time, I thought that that's how people saw me and that they were angry with me in their heads. For most of this story, I thought that I was in the wrong. That is mental. I came back with the drinks after stopping at those two tables, and it seemed the woman was also upset that I was taking a while because as I was walking over, she said, finally. My heart was racing. I knew something bad was going to happen. We were about halfway through their order when one of the kids wanted macaroni. Problem was, his entitled mum said that last time he tried macaroni from this place, he didn't like it, so to get something else. He couldn't decide on something else, so she yanked out of his hands to order for him. She asked for chicken tenders, so I asked, five pieces or three? five pieces just whatever just hurry of course i was getting nervous and that then made it harder for me to speak so when i turned to the entitled dad it took me even longer and i was interrupted by the entitled mum. oh my god can you please like just go to your manager and like get us a different waiter because we're starving and we don't want to wait a half a year for something anybody else could do in two minutes The entitled dad added to my misery. Why would you even become a waiter if you can't speak? He says, letting out an annoyed laugh, shaking his head. I had no idea how to respond. I was lost for words and I felt like just leaving. But again, I thought this was all my problem. So I told them I'd see what I could do. That is the horrible thing about this. People like these entitled people making an innocent waiter who has a stutter feel bad about his stutter that he can do nothing about. It's just disgusting. So I went to the manager and told him about it. He seemed pretty confused, but said he was too busy to do anything and told me to see if one of my co-workers could take care of it. I went to my friend Dan, another waiter, and told him that one of my tables asked for a different waiter. He looked just as confused and said he couldn't do that at the moment because he was already working on six tables. He told me that if they're really that upset, they'll just leave. I tried going to the only other worker that day, other than the cooks, but he was walking out the door when I saw him. I didn't know what to do, so I just took a few seconds to work up the courage to go over and tell them we couldn't do anything. As soon as the entitled dad saw me walking over, he let out a frustrated, oh my god. I told them we were a little busy and that I was the only waiter available. The entitled mum told me quite quickly to bring over my manager. I went in and told him they wanted to talk to him and he got up and I followed. I just stood there as my manager, Mr. Carlson, asked them, is there a problem? Yes, your worker here, he's taking forever and seems like he doesn't even care about it. We can barely understand him. Well, what has he been doing? He's taking forever and now he says he won't bring us a new waiter or even just speed up a little. He doesn't even care about us. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not sure what you want me to do. It's pretty busy today. We're just trying to make sure everyone gets their food. Gets their food, says the entitled dad. At this rate, we should have cooked our own legs and it would have been quicker. Yeah, why would you have a worker like that out on a busy day like this? I'm sorry. There's just not much we can do, said my manager. What you should do is get us a different waiter a normal one as i said we're very busy i can't do anything here 
all the waiters are working right now oh this is ridiculous what kind of a business makes their customers wait half an hour for food because the waiter doesn't know how to speak mr carson turned to me and tells me to wait in the kitchen i grab some dishes left over from a nearby table and take them back with me i didn't get the rest of that conversation after i set the dishes in the sink i walked to the back where nobody else was and i just started crying in my head it was all my fault i thought i was going to get fired and i felt horrible dan overheard me and came in to talk to me and give me a hug when i went back outside mr carlson and the entitled parents were arguing and mr carlson was telling them to leave i started wiping down the table i just grabbed dishes from and caught them just at the right time to see them leave mr carlson told them that he was going to call the police if they didn't go and they finally got up and started to head out The entitled mum, though, told me on her way out, you need to go get a job you can actually do. It cracked me again, and I started bawling. I couldn't even speak or even think. Mr. Carlson gave me a hug and told me I could go home. I immediately went to my car and ended the day. I just couldn't stop crying when I got home. I felt like quitting, but I stayed there for another two months, I believe. Luckily, nothing ever came up as bad as that again. Now that I'm older, I realize just how awful these two were being and that I was not at fault there. I don't think anyone should be treated like they were treating me. Yeah, listen, guys, as I said halfway through that story, the saddest part about that entire event is that OP actually thought it was his fault that he had a stutter. That, oh, just horrible to hear. Look, ultimately, you are going to get some horrible people on the earth. It just happens, unfortunately. I'd love it if it wasn't like that, but you know it is. But it's when they start negatively affecting the nice people like OP and making them question themselves as a person and, and, and thinking that it's their own fault that they have a stutter, making them feel bad about it. That is when it's just way, way, way too far. That is horrible. Tell you what, it's good that your manager stood up for you. I was worried there for a second that no one really seemed to be helping you at your office. And I was thinking, please don't let this this poor man deal with this on his own. But thankfully, you had your colleagues to help you and, uh, and make you understand that it's not your fault. And, and, and thankfully, again, OP has said at the end, he now realizes that having a stutter, obviously, it's obvious for me to say looking from the outside, but having a stutter is not his fault. It's just, you know, something that he was born with. Oh, man entitled people terrible now moving on to our second story entitled parent asks where my handler is i'm in a wheelchair and then tries to grab my chair and wheel me off so i have to start with some context i am a 25 year old female and a full-time wheelchair user due to a rare condition this condition makes my legs extremely painful from the knees and down so painful that even if wind or rain touches my skin i want to cry rain feels like a thousand needles pricking my skin all at once oh my god another thing is that i can't feel the cold very well this is important for later due to the extreme pain i'm therefore not able to wear shoes socks or anything covering my legs i have to wear shorts all year round i'm originally from norway but i currently live in south england so the winter in england is nothing compared to what i'm used to yeah that's that's for sure Um, i'm from the south of england and i have been to norway can confirm Anyway, now on to the story. This all happened at some point during the winter of 2019. I'm very independent and I do all my shopping and errands by myself. I needed some new winter clothes and went off to the nice cheap retail shop in England. Pry, if anyone wants to know. Primark, okay. I'm listening to my music with my headset on and I'm not really paying any attention to the people around me. Another thing to note is that literally everyone stares at me. 
I've seen multiple people walk into things, walls, pillars, etc., just because it's so strange to see someone in a wheelchair with no shoes. Now, I have gotten used to this as I've been in a wheelchair for about 10 years now, so I'm used to people staring and constantly asking me if I'm cold. Most days, I've got no issue ignoring these entitled people, but this one lady stood out. I was looking at a jumper when I saw a nice child looking at me. He was maybe four or five years old. Now, I understand that for small children, it can be a bit strange to see someone in a wheelchair, so I'm always happy for them to ask questions, and they're happy with simple answers. Most kids are genuinely trying to understand and learn. They're not being nosy or rude as most adults are. So the kid asked, What happened to you? My legs hurt, and now I can't walk on them. Oh, is that why you're not wearing shoes? Yes. And then the kid just runs away smiling, and I'm thinking he's happy with the answers I gave him. About five minutes later, though, someone pokes me in the back. I turn around to see a lady trying to get my attention. I turn my music off to see what this is all about when I see that same nice kid behind her. The conversation goes something like this. My son is saying you're not wearing shoes during winter because your legs hurt. Well, you must be freezing. You can't be dressed like that during winter. Uh, Yeah, he he asked why I was in a wheelchair and I answered him and he seemed happy with what I said. Look, it's okay. I'm Norwegian. Plus, I can't really feel the cold and today isn't even that bad. I also have a condition that makes it impossible for me to wear shoes. As you can tell, I'm trying to be nice to get her to go away from me. A lot of times people leave me alone once I answer a question or two. But you can't be in the shop and not wear shoes or more clothes. It's setting a bad example for my child and he's going to think it's okay to not wear shoes. This is unacceptable. Well, I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do about that. I'm about to roll away when she steps in front of me. I have never heard of any condition that would cause that. You must be lying. Yes, lady, it would make complete sense for someone in a wheelchair in the winter with no real clothes on their bottom half to be lying about that. But seriously, guys, what the heck? No, I'm not. And it's none of your business how I'm dressed or what's wrong with my legs. You can't speak to me like that. Where's your handler? They can't just leave you alone dressed like this in the shop. How are you supposed to get home? I need to complain to this handler that they are not taking care of you properly. It's so funny that this Karen genuinely thinks she's being a help here. She's like, I'm going to help you and get your handler and tell you what's wrong. You know, it makes no sense. Keep yourself to yourself. Excuse me? I'm here on my own. And what you just said was extremely rude. Even if I had someone helping me, they're not my handler. You don't get to tell me what I can call people, helping people like you. Either way, you need to tell me where they are right now. Poor kid. He's currently trying to pull his mum away. I feel bad, so I come up with an idea. Oh, uh, yeah, well, I think my handler is upstairs. Uh, they're in a red shirt wearing a blue hat. Fine, I'll just have to find your handler and they'll deal with you. She's smiling like this handler is going to punish me or something. It was super creepy and weird. It's so unprofessional to leave someone like you all alone. Never mind not dressing you properly. They should be fired. Then the entitled parent tries to grab my chair and take me with her. I shouted at her to get her hands off me and put my brakes on. Then a nice retail worker comes over to see what's happening. And before I can explain, the Karen shrieks over me that the worker has to look after her son while she's getting my useless handler. 
Then she walks off, leaving the kid with us. I quickly explain what actually happened and that I just want to leave without confronting her again. The worker tells me that she will handle it and look after the kid until the mum gets back. The nice kid actually seems really sad, so I make sure to tell him that I'm not angry at him for asking questions or anything else. This seems to brighten him up a little bit. A bit of a boring ending, but I still can't believe someone asked me where my handler was. The entitlement of some people. Guys, other than OP, the person that I really feel bad for in this story is the kid. Because he's now going to think that he shouldn't be asking questions. He shouldn't be curious because his mum got angry at him for it. Or, you know, it led to a bad situation in which his mum started shouting. Ultimately, if you have a kid yourself, you probably want them to be curious, right? It's a really good trait to have. But, you know, even in this situation, OP completely understands that he's just a four to five year old kid questioning the world, questioning something slightly different. And then that's absolutely fine. But the fact that his mum has just started this whole, you know, drama because of him asking any question might make him think twice about that in the future. And it might, you know, make him go into a shell and be really quiet, which is not really what we want. Ideally, you want to be asking questions, learning about the world, being a bright little kid. But um, unfortunately, that might not happen in future. Pretty much. I just think that if this kid is now not going to express himself because of his horrible mother and, you know, her just shouting over him whenever that happens, that is just such a loss to, to the world. To be fair, though, like this, this mum, despite the fact that she thinks and I actually think she actually does think that she's trying to help her and that she is helping by going to get handler. I genuinely do believe she's that idiotic that she is genuinely thinking that she's helping. She's ultimately ableist because she's saying to OP, who's in a wheelchair, that in her opinion, she does not think that she is capable of going out living on her own being independent that is pretty much what she's saying right by saying no your handler must be somewhere no op can be in a wheelchair and be absolutely fine on their own obviously it's just ableist weird woman believes sailboats are public property i'm a 43 year old it guy divorced with two kids a nine-year-old girl and a seven-year-old boy i'm also a member of a yacht club and i own a smallish 34 bavaria cruiser from 2008 Next to my kids, she's my pride and joy. Every year, I take three weeks vacation along with my kids, and we go cruising for the better part of those three weeks. We've got a small dinghy that basically serves as our pickup truck or food hall. Now, because of COVID, we couldn't go anywhere outside our home country. So we said, F it, we'll be tourists in our own country. And we went for a cruise to all the small cozy harbors that we normally don't see. So cruise is a go. My son knows about the lines and knows how to dock and whatnot. My daughter is the dinghy skipper during this. She loves that thing. We always have our club pennant flying as well as the Jolly Roger. The Jolly Roger means kids on board come and play. We leave our home ports and spend a day and night at sea to get the sea legs growing and sharpen up on our boating skills. Retired Navy, I can't help it. On our third day, we arrive at a smallish marina, roughly 200 berths. In my country, calling ahead on VHF is not a thing. So the only thing to do is either go in with the boat or send in the dinghy to spot for a berth. Now, occupied berths are marked with a red sign. Available is a green sign. My kids know this and they are also learning to spot a fitting berth. Our boat is 3.6 meters wide and the berths are different in width. So the trick is to spot a berth wider than 3.6, but not wider than four meters because that's the golden difference. Any berth wider than four meters costs a ton of money and is meant for bigger boats. Well, Captain Dingy was volunteering, as always, to scout ahead. While me and the executive officer of my boat, my son, were watching from just outside the inlet. She's equipped with, of course, life jacket, radio, 
not VHF since that requires a certificate, and a good idea about how wide 3.6 meters really is. Our dinghy happens to be 3.5 meters long, so as long as she can fit the dinghy from end to end between the posts, the boat will fit, including the engine. Now, most people that hang around marinas are used to seeing children in dinghies and wouldn't raise an eyebrow over a nine-year-old girl in a small dinghy wearing a life jacket and looking for empty berths. However, not all people are like that, which we would soon find out. She found one and radioed that back, saying, I've got one, daddy. It's the Jeep here, and I'm waiting for you here. Over. I reply with, good job. En route now, daddy out. The owners of the boats on either side are the caring, nice older couples, and especially the portside neighbors are completely stunned by Captain Dinghy and her professionalism. They're small talking when we arrive to the berth and help mooring, for which I pay with a cold beer and a soda for the kids. Happy days all around. On the opposite side of the pier, a couple of boats are also flying the Jolly Roger, so the kids are off after a quick lunch. The berth directly opposite us is also available, but knowing from experience, that will soon change. And how right I was. Later in the afternoon, we saw the arrival of HMS Karen and her sailing circus. They arrived while the nice grandparents next door and I were discussing nice marinas to visit. And as a matter of course, we stood by to help receive lines and help with mooring. To simplify their docking, well, it was a trash show. They had a trimaran, a boat with three hulls. The outer two can retract when you dock and extend when you sail. They knew nothing about the boat, so it was clearly a rental boat. After five or six attempts of docking with one side retracted, the other side retracted, then no side retracted, full power plus screaming came all around. The harbour master even came down to join us. So now we stand eight guys plus one harbour master and we're just looking like, what the F are you guys doing? Even my seven-year-old son comes by with some new friends and they say, are they for real? Grandma to our port side quickly provided some ice and soda for the kids. She was amazing. We managed to convince them, the wrecking crew, to throw us the forward lines and we could pull them in after they retracted both pontoons. Now this took the better part of one and a half hours. When they finally docked, they acted like they invented boating. I know that docking in a foreign port can be quite difficult, but when you need eight people to help you, well, one might keep a low profile, you'd think. But not that couple though. They were totally clueless about how to get shore power, water, and how to register with the harbour master, who, by the way, happened to stand right in front of them when they docked. So the harbour master is now trying to guide them in how to register, what to do regarding that shore power and water. And boy, did they listen. Well, no, they didn't. Um, HMS Karen started to full yell instead about how they paid a lot of money to rent that boat and how they expected harbour fees to be included in the rent and then threatened to report the harbour master to the rental company they used and somehow get him fired for trying to extort money from them. After her endless monologue, there were about eight to ten guys laughing. The harbour master just looked at them and went, okay, these are the rules. Each marina requires a fee for docking. That fee covers power, water, and the space you occupy. It includes access to bathrooms, cooking facilities, and cleaning. Your rental company does not own any marina. Is that clear? The circus husband understood, but failed to convey the last part to HMS Karen, something we found out later the next morning. Next morning, we prepare to go underway. Kids are saying goodbye to their new friends. My son is pampered with cookies from Grandma Port and Starboard. 
broken hearts from the young girls in the marina He's got blonde hair with curls and green eyes a true heartbreaker and captain dinghy is getting ready to go underway She's dressed in the uniform for the part unicorn pj pants swimwear and a life jacket now here is where the title which i remind you guys is weird women believe sailboats are public property comes into play we're finishing our stay meaning pulling our shore power cable testing our lights and systems testing our bow thruster and prop vhf and dinghy but while i'm standing at the stern ready to single up the lines so my curly-haired executive officer will have an easy job hms karen comes running up to me what are you doing good morning um yeah we're gonna get underway now we're going to an island recommended by our grandma ports enjoy your stay here what we can't leave uh you're pretty sure i can't sorry why why wouldn't i because we want that boat what you want my boat lady my boat's not for sale so excuse me we we have to go what no all boats are property of the rental company and we called them yesterday and chartered that boat now hand it over or else lady you're nuts i then say to my son clear forward lines and to my daughter meet up outside the marina docking starboard side now we are not attached to the marina anymore and my son is rolling up the bowlines when hms tries to grab the push pit to keep us in the marina well she lost that battle all stop i say man overboard she came up yelling and screaming starboard granddad guided her on board their boat and asked her what the heck she thought she was doing while port granddad called the harbor master is she okay yes we gotta enjoy your trip and we'll see you at the new ports we leave and head for that port and oh boy did i hope that she was a one-time karen but guys as i said in the intro unfortunately that post right there is just the beginning of the story look the scene has now been set there's a karen on the high seas right that's all we know she's already you know completely mental that's clear to see but amazingly this story does not stop right here let's move right in to part two so then moving on to the second part of that story weird women believe sailboats are public property part two when we left the marina and recovered captain dinghy and the dinghy itself we set sail for the island suggested by grandma port the sail itself was pretty uneventful the executive officer of the ship my seven-year-old son caught a fish a nice two kilogram cod wow that was dinner that is not uneventful that's a great catch mate next morning we had an equally uneventful docking next to a nice young couple that were on their first cruise in her parents boat a nice 30 feet boat beautifully maintained Now, because the marina had floating docks, we reversed in and lowered the stern. After the usual post-docking exercise, fenders, lines, power, and check-in, we greeted the young couple next to us and checked out the marina. The Jolly Roger was still flying, so there were a couple of young pirates, kids, awaiting to see who the new recruits to the playground were. After a quick lunch, the kids again were off. I was about to shut down the stationary VHF, when I heard a call from the Coast Guard advising all marinas to keep a lookout for a stolen boat in the area with a description vaguely matching my boat as well as a couple of hundred others. Now that is not something that happens every day, but I know that a few human beings get confused about the mine and not mine concept. So I took a note of it and turned off the VHF. At around four o'clock, I recognized a boat coming in and was pleased to see grandma port from the first post standing at the stern looking for a spot i held them and saw a spot opposite ours but with a red tag 
A quick call to the local harbour master later. It was owned by a local, but was available for two weeks. They just forgot to turn the plates. 15 minutes later, and both of them were sitting in the cockpit of my boat, having a drink with our new friends from next door. I've got to say, guys, boating like this, just, you know, meeting new people, chilling, having a great time, inviting them onto the boat, sending your kids off to other boats. Sounds amazing. It sounds like a whale of a time. Anyway, during this drink, we get to hear Grandma Port's story. So after we left and they got HMS Karen onto the dry land, she was raging, the Karen that is, that we had tried to kill her, that we'd stolen our own boat and that she would throw them into a prison cell and throw away the key. Grandma Port just giggled and told her to calm down, that she did that to herself. And what was she thinking grabbing a boat that was pulling out? Grandpa Port told her to get on their boat, change it to something dry, and enjoy herself instead of making a fool of herself in front of her circus husband and their child. Now, I'd never seen that child, but apparently they had a toddler with them, but not a life jacket or vest in sight. As one does, I checked in on the book of faces, and about five minutes later, I got a text from a guy I used to work with back in the Navy asking me if I could supply a cold beer in about 10 minutes when he got off shift. One short trip to the Mars and Flags, Bravo, Echo, First Up, Romeo was flying. My friend arrived in uniform and asked where the heck his beer was at. We've known each other for the better part of 20 years. So he expected to get the where the heck have you been shipmate back. After the hugging and the how the heck are you talk, I introduced him to my new friends and the grandparents. He definitely had grandma port on his good side because of the uniform. Even grandpa port started telling stories from back then in the Navy. I never told them that I did other than IT, so they didn't know much about my naval background. And they were actually quite amused when my friend told them that I was his old petty officer. After the second round of flags, I asked about the call earlier from the Coast Guard. He's the chief petty officer at the nearby coastal watch station. And the way our Coast Guard and Navy works is that the Navy is in charge of the sea, but the Coast Guard enforces inside coastal waters. And oh boy, he got a call from the local police reporting the theft and possible hijacking of a sailboat from the last port that we were at, as reported from an enraged woman with a description of a boat similar to ours and that the harbour master knew about it. Grandpa Port just about let out half his drink through his nose when he heard that and started to raise his voice at my friend in my defence and told him what actually happened. That HMS Karen was nuts, that she tried to grab my boat after we pulled out of the slip and that she was a complete waste of air. Thanks, Grandpa. My friend said to me, that was you i don't know oh my god that was you so now what no worries i'll call her off and talk to my captain in the morning great i then notice a police officer walking towards our boat uh yeah can you do it now now have any of you ever heard the phrase the navy is a small place well it turned out that my friend was the officer's instructor at boot camp as i was his so the officer said I'm sorry, Chief. Are the Navy handling this? Oh, hi, mate. Yeah, how are you? Uh, care to explain? Well, we had a report of a theft of a boat, and the harbour master told us that a boat fitting this description pulled in this morning. Well, let's check this out then, shall we? OP, you have your certificates and proof of insurance and ownership with you, right? Uh, yeah, I do. Sure. I hand the officer my binder with certificates. Well, nothing to worry about here, but have you by chance seen the boat in question? Before I can say anything, Grandpa Port interjects. Officer, 
If that report came from a wet, loud, and wide woman, I have a story to tell you. Of course, he then explains the story from the previous post. Um, okay, uh, Chief, are you backing this up? As sure as you wouldn't like another go at the pits at boot camp. Uh, yeah, right, Chief. Uh, sorry to bother you guys, uh, but you know how it is. He left after that and things turned back to normal. The kids got home, dinner, bedtime, sundowner with the neighbors who now had a lot to talk about. Weird woman believes sailboats are public property, part three. As mentioned in part one, my boat is a Bavaria 34 cruiser. It used to belong to my grandparents, but when my grandma had her stroke back in 2012, my granddad stopped sailing. They passed in 2013, three weeks after each other. Now, granddad wasn't ill or anything, he just gave up after grandma passed, after her third and last stroke. Before they passed, they willed the boat to me, because my parents already have a boat, and they knew that I love sailing in her. So it's not that I'm a rich, spoiled brat who just got a boat, but there's many emotions involved when sailing her. I grew up spending summers on their old boats, learning from both granddad and my dad as how to sail, which eventually led me to my naval career, ending in my retirement from the Navy when I turned 35 and my contract expired. The point being that I always need to convince myself if grandma would approve if I tried to change something or upgrade. In my mind, it's still their boat in many ways. This year, I spoiled the boat and myself rotten by buying a new chart plotter that integrates all sensors, depth sounder, Windex, autopilot, and AIS. Uh, AIS is a system that shows information on other boats as well as your own, similar to what airplanes use. As we already planned to stay for at least four days, I thought that this would be the perfect time to upgrade my existing chart plotter for the new one. And as luck still was present, Grandpa Port was an electrician before he retired. So off to the supermarket, I went for the purchase of liquid bunnies to pay said electrician that I just hauled out of retirement for one day. Now, the marina we're staying in is rather large, meaning that I either have a long walk followed by a heavy walk back, or I'll have Captain Dinghy give me a lift to the old port and join me for my shopping needs. The supermarket is basically 100 meters from the old port. So off we went. Her at the helm, I'm in the front acting as a ballast. Exo, my son, the executive officer of our ship, was with friends and knew his way around. Also, he knew he had an abundant supply of ice cream available. Thanks again, Grandma Port. We arrive at the supermarket and all is well. Then my daughter just lets out a... Ah, freak. It's HMS Karen yelling at her poor circus husband because apparently the item she wanted is sold out. Now look, I'm not a fan of my children swearing, but this time I think she had a point, so I let it slide. We ducked the heck out of there and went to the checkout where we found a small gift basket style flower arrangement with a bottle of wine and some chocolate for Grandma Port. We also picked up some cash and a small refill for the pantry. When we bagged everything, we left for the dinghy. If only we had run the red light at the crosswalk outside the supermarkets. HMS Karen spotted us. Hey, hey, you! I kept walking and said to Captain Dinghy, not happening. Now you get in the dinghy, get your life jacket on and throw me the rope we use to get goods aboard. Dad, she's nuts. All right, I'll hook your life jacket up as well when I throw the rope. Hey, I'm talking to you. You're the guy who stole our boat. Don't even think about moving. I'm not letting you get away. I acknowledged the lady. Lady, the mental hospital is not that far from here. 
I don't know, but it just seemed like the right thing to say. I'm sure someone there would be able to help you. I'm putting on my life jacket and lowering the goods into the dinghy. All I need to do is get onto it via the ladder that we tied up to. That's when I suddenly found myself floating in midair right next to the dinghy. She pushed me. The maniac pushed me off the freaking dock. Our life vests are the manual type for adults, which means that I have to pull a cord for it to inflate. But the kid vests are the automatic kind that inflate if they get wet. A small chalk tablet that dissolves in water makes sure that they inflate. Very clever. But it still means that I have to unwrap it, test it for 24 hours, and then repack it. And also that means that I'm one life vest short for 24 hours. And I have to replace the CO2 cartridge because it's been in the water. That's no biggie to be fair. It's only about $6. And I've got a small supply on board the boats. But it's the principle. Two steps up the ladder and I'm on board the dinghy. Captain Dinghy was amazing. She started the engine and used it to push the boat into the ladder so I'm on board in no time. What are you doing? Don't even try to escape. And you, little girl, don't even think about trying to touch anything. That's nice, says my daughter. And she reverses out and floors it out the old dock. On our way back to the marina, my daughter just shook her head and said, What a female dog. Again, she's got a point, so I let it slide. Back in the marina, we tie our boat up and I got a change of clothes. The only casualty was my work phone, so I've got to go back into town to get a new one. Luckily, that's a work expense, but it's a bit annoying reconfiguring everything, including credit cards and such. And I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to finish this in part four. Okay, what the heck? This is actually now getting really weird. Like, what a coincidence. Not only am I on a boat right now at the same time that you're listening and watching this video, but secondly, I also, my my phone also got wet and I had to, like, delete it and restore it and get, well, pretty much get a new one, like, the other day. What's going on here? Am I OP? That's my question. But anyway, guys, that is the end of part three. Part four still to come. Somehow, this Karen is still involved in the story. I guess maybe the OP and their family are just like choosing a pretty normal tourist route. And Karen and her family are kind of going along the same route, just maybe a day or two behind. But the fact that you are just continuing to bump into this Karen is very, very funny. Actually kind of reminds me of when I was a young kid on holiday and I was uh, in Sri Lanka with my family. And we kept bumping in and going to the same hotel as the Sri Lankan cricket team for some reason. So it looked as if we were just following them. Bit of a weird story, but um, yeah, that's what came to my head. Anyway, part four. So then, now getting in to the final part of this incredible story. Weird women believe sailboats are public property. Last part. I'm almost sad because, you know, it's been such an adventure. But hey, everything good, I guess, has to come to an end at some point. Here we go. When Captain Dinghy and I returned from the store and got on board, Grandpa Ports was trying to teach my son, XO, how to splice a three-strand rope. And, remarking the fact that I was soaking wet and the captain was bone dry that had we used a lifeline like that in the dinghy, I wouldn't have fallen off. Thanks, Grandpa Ports. Well, as I went below for a change of clothes, my faithful companion told the grandparents what had happened. Grandma Ports hugged Captain Dinghy and asked if she was okay, which was enough to make Exo roll with laughter. The grandparents offered to invite us over to their boat for dinner, which we happily accepted. Now, their boat is a bit smaller than ours, but their salon below deck is somehow bigger. Go figure. Seen as this had been an eventful day, the kids were given free roam to the playground, probably to plot the overthrow of the free world by pirates with the other kids, provided that Captain Dinghy brought the small radio we normally use for docking. 
so we could call them back when dinner was ready Grandpa brought out a generous glass of his favorite rum while he and I discussed terms and conditions Regarding the chart plotter replacements and the price and liquid money and also what the heck happened during today? Grandma Port interjected during her hard work in the galley, supervising us preparing potatoes and cleaning the fish that would be our dinner, that I should call that nice young gentleman that came to visit us on our first day and maybe ask him if he could help. Grandpa was giggling when I asked if it was a dinner invitation, and if so, was the dress code uniform or casual? Grandma's rolling eyes and the following, oh god, men, was enough to make all three of us share a laugh. A quick call to my friend from before, and we were six persons having dinner in the nicest environment one could have. Grandma, that salmon was cooked to perfection. My friend then invited Grandpa and me out to a small place that served liquid monies in tall glasses, provided we didn't stay out late. My friend's fiance was getting along perfectly with grandma and the kids, so off we went. We arrived to a small house of fluent currency and found a table. <laughs> could just Why not just say, you know, bar, alcohol, I don't know. Anyway, my friend bought the first round and grandpa told the story about my impromptu flying lesson in the port. At which my friend had this odd look on his face He excused himself for a minute and brought over a familiar face Apparently he spotted his private police friend while ordering and wanted to hear what the options were regarding hms karen Well as he told the story the police got a call regarding theft of a boat assault and underage sailing of a dinghy He and his partner was assigned to the call and they responded when they arrived they were met by an enraged woman claiming that she'd been assaulted, had a sailboat stolen, and that the perpetrator was aided by an underage girl. When they asked her to elaborate, she started yelling at them. I already told you, now do your job and arrest them. Now, as she was testing the hearing of people the next town over, a couple of fishermen who had docked further down the pier approached the partner and asked if this was about the assault on the guy who she threw off the pier. This got the attention of both the partner and him. They asked her about the incident and she replied with, yes, that's what I've been trying to tell you. We found out that our first boat was too difficult to dock and then we rented a new one, but the previous renter wouldn't give us our boat. Instead, he insulted me, stole our boat and had an underage child drive him. Mom, as I recall, you claimed someone hijacked your boat. We even had the Navy looking out for them. Did you return your rental to the original place? And did it happen there? But what difference does it make? We rented a boat bigger and better. They had one. We paid more. All boats are owned by the rental company anyway. We had the right to get our boats. Sorry, this woman thinks that every single boat is owned by the same rental company that they used to rent their boat in the first place. Uh, Sorry absolutely ludicrous mom as i just heard from these people here you just assaulted a person not to include risking his life now i need to see some id because if we get a report about this from the victim you're gonna face the charges understand don't talk back to me unless you have our boat i'm not accepting your excuses get me my boats and so hms karen got a free ride in a smaller land-ridden boat but with pretty lights on top Our new police friend ended his story by saying she was an absolute dog finishing his pints 
Well, no need to say it. Anyway, I got up, went to the bar, and opened up a $100 tab for our new friend in law enforcement. We left right after the, no, I can't accept that, and whatnot, but my friend was firm. When we got back to the marina, the kids were sleeping on board our newfound grandparents' boats. And grandma and my friend's fiance were laughing like teenage girls next morning The kids said their goodbyes to their new grandparents exchange addresses and we left the marina We hope to see those ports again next year, but if not we'll come visit them I don't know how to end this incredible story better than stay safe listen to reason and just because you're a karen Don't push people into water And there we go, guys. That is the end of this incredible four-part, well, I guess four-part for OP, two-part video series for me in Title Parent Story. Um, What an amazing adventure. I just want to say a big thank you to OP. Their username is in the description down below for this incredible story. Brilliant stuff. I mean, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Again, as I mentioned earlier on in the video, um, right now, at the time you're watching this video, if you watch it on the day it was released, I'll be on a boat quite similar to this um, at the same time, which is why I wanted to read the story and why it's, you know, a little bit convenient that i'd read this story at this time and if i've taken a video or something or a picture i'll chuck it in right now and i also may have put one in earlier in the video as well um if you want to see more on that go and check out my instagram uh which is linked down below in the description i'll be posting stuff there on my story of my trip on a lovely boat susan the snack stealer i used to work with a super entitled woman once upon a time her name was susan susan liked to get to the office earlier than everyone else but I didn't find out why that was until I'd worked there for a few months. She was the sort who liked to help herself to the snacks people had in the communal fridge. She'd also take individual sodas from the case my cubicle neighbor kept under her desk and had a real thing for stealing either my chocolates or my good granola bars, depending on what I had stashed right out of my desk drawer. She got her comeuppance one year at the office Christmas potluck. We had a lady who did Greek cooking and was magnificent at it. This particular year, she'd brought in an enormous tray of mini Spanakopita, the spinach and feta cheese in phyllo dough, each roughly the size of an Oreo cookie. Literally hundreds of these little beauties stacked too high on the tray, just waiting to be devoured. And then along came Susan with the Tupperware of holding. I kid you not, she scooped fully one quarter of the contents of that tray into her Tupperware, looking around furtively to make sure that no one would try and stop her. She brushed the phyllo crumbs from her fingers, popped the seal on her Y-sized Tupperware, and turned smugly away from the buffet table. And every single person in the office was glaring at her, fit to set her permanently ablaze. Our office manager was particularly salty because she was the Greek chef who had provided these delicious morsels. She spoke, and it was with the voice of a vengeful goddess. Susan, what in the heck do you think you're doing? And then the foot tapping began. Tap, tap, tap. And the hand on the hip. And finally, the finger of doom did aim at Susan. Thief of treats, hoarder of spanakopita, and Susan did meekly open her Tupperware wide bowl and return unto the tray roughly 90% of the pitta. Thus was the office manager appeased 
and thus was susan forever snack shamed there's always that one person isn't there whether it be you know a colleague at work a student a classmate at school anyone when someone you know brings in cake to celebrate their birthday or brings in communal snacks they'll take just a little bit more than everyone else and they know what they're doing they're being cheeky they're getting away with it but mm, it's kind of frowned upon however this what i've just read right there that's a new level that is nuts taking a quarter of the communal you know food for everyone that the boss has brought in and chucking it not just eating it putting it in a tupperware for later are you joking me well are you now moving on to our second post entitled cousin demands me to cover up little things you need to know i am a 26 year old female with a curvy body type and I have a huge vertical scar from just below my sternum to my navel. I was given the scar because I needed emergency surgery. My life was at risk and there was no other way. Unfortunately, the surgery was botched. I only recently found this out a whole two years after it happened. Now, I needed that surgery because I had a perforated stomach ulcer that was at risk of leaking stomach acid into my abdominal cavity. It would have been a smaller scar, but the surgeon accidentally sliced my liver while cutting me open and caused blood to spill out. I lost three liters of blood. This meant they had to open me up further than planned. Anyways, long story short, I could have died that night and my scar is my battle wound. I'm quite proud of it. It shows that I survive and I think it's sexy. It's also been two years since the surgery and the scar has healed nicely. It's not nasty looking and it will fade more in time. Now back to the main reason of this post. I went to visit family a couple of days ago since restrictions in my area aren't as bad anymore. It also helps that my family agreed to only invite the vaccinated members. Well, my aunt's house has a pool in the backyard and I was wearing a bikini. It was tasteful and not overly revealing. You know, not a thong bikini that my aunt decided to wear, but it of course showed off my scar, which I didn't think was an issue. Everyone was having a good time when my second cousin, Melanie, came over, pointed her finger at my stomach and gestured in a vertical sense, clearly referring to my scar. She then made a face and said, Can you cover up, please? Your scar is triggering me and it's not okay for children to see because it represents violence. I'm just standing there with my other cousin, Shannon. Both of us wide-eyed over her phrase. I'm sorry, what violence does my scar represent? I asked her how on earth it was triggering her. Now, I'm autistic and sometimes obvious social cues don't make it to my brain. And my whole family is aware of this. And she full-on says... Uh, so your scar is just ruining the atmosphere and my children won't stop asking me questions about it Like not everything has to be about you I told her that I was sorry it made her uncomfortable But that she and her kids didn't have to look at the scar and that I was not going to cover up because I wasn't ashamed of it She then huffed at me like the big bad wolf who was never invited in the first place There's a reason why no one invites her and yells at me in front of my family I asked you politely to cover up your ugly scar. Don't you understand how rude you're being to me? I told you your scar triggers me and you should just try for once to not think about yourself. You're obviously trying to be the center of attention at my family's pool party by flaunting your accident at everyone. We all know you only had that surgery to get reactions from people. Oh my God. Then she stormed off like a toddler would. I went back to hanging out with our family and everyone just laughed her behavior off. She was being a brat. No surprise there. I get it. My scar isn't pleasant to look at, but my aunt was in a string thong bikini showing off her giant C-section scar 
and Melanie didn't say anything about that. But because my scar didn't bring life to this world, it's okay to complain about? Okay, Karen. I brushed it off, but every time Melanie had to walk past me, she would say, ooh, 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 ooey, over and over so everyone could hear her tantrum. Finally, I had enough when I heard her loudly explain to her children that their mummy's cousin has munchausen's. That I pulled her aside and flat out ripped into her in front of everyone and her kids. Now, guys, I actually had to look this up myself. Um, Munchausen's, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is a psychological disorder where someone pretends to be ill or deliberately produces symptoms of illness in themselves. So I guess kind of going along the lines of what this person was saying in that OP is just looking for attention and got her scar, not because she needed it, but because she wanted a reaction or the attention crazy thing to say yeah and the definition continues their main intention is to assume the sick role so that people care for them and that they are the center of attention jesus surely she knows that her liver was cut and she was pouring with blood oh my god i said you know what melanie grow up you're 37 years old and you're being not only a bully but a complete butthole you're clearly ruining this get together for your own personal gain and i'm sick of your bs Either grow the F up and get over the fact that people have lives that don't involve you or get out and leave. Nobody wants you here anyway. She then started to fake cry. It was so obviously fake it hurt. And boohooed about how mean I am and how all this could have been avoided if I hadn't have shown up in the first place. Later on when she was leaving, her daughter walked up to me and said, Mummy told me she wished you hadn't survived the surgery because you ruined her life today. Like, Wow. Most of my family agree that she'd crossed the line, but say that I shouldn't have snapped at her so publicly. I do think it might have been tactless to yell at her in front of her kids, but I did suggest to them to run off and get their shoes while I spoke to their mum. They just didn't listen. Now, sorry, to be honest, I disagree on that. Like, if someone is being that much of an idiot, they deserve to be called out. Don't care who it's in front of. Like, that's about you at the end of the day. You're getting bullied, picked on by your, whoever, who even is she, Melanie? Some like random bimbo off the street. Don't care about her. It doesn't matter if her kids are there. They need to know as well that their mum is an absolute fraud. Like, seriously, don't even, don't even tell their kids to run off and go and do something else. Make sure they're there. And make sure they're listening. That's what I'd say. It is very, very ironic though, isn't it? I mean, Melanie bringing up, what was it called? Menno something, Munchausen syndrome. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. When actually she kind of has that herself. Not that she's pretending to be ill or anything, but she is definitely trying to be the center of attention. You know, the fake crying, making it all about her. The exact thing that she's accusing you of, OP, is clearly what she's doing herself. It's mental. It's absolutely mental to even suggest something like that. Is oh, oh, she nearly died, man. And you're saying that? Have a look at yourself, Mel. Why am I still holding that? And now moving on to our final story of today's episode. I need a new seat. So I'm sitting in the Toyota dealer waiting for a tire. The wife managed to get a second screw in a second tire in the span of 10 days. Apparently, she's been taking her RAV4 off-roading through whatever place used hardware goes to die. Um, But anyway, I hear this exchange between an overly entitled customer and the poor guy who gets paid to take her rubbish. Obviously, I came in during the middle of this conversation, so I have to guess at the reason. The service guy was saying, Mom, even if ketchup stains were covered under your warranty, we would only replace the upholstered seat cover, not the entire power seats. 
but it's not what I paid for. It's not in factory condition. So I want to replace before the warranty runs out. Warranties aren't supposed to keep your vehicle in showroom condition. They're supposed to guarantee your vehicle works. Your power seat is working and we have no reason to replace it. I can't sell it in that condition and I want it replaced. Again, we're not responsible for cosmetic issues, especially when there isn't anything wrong with the vehicle. If I lose money when I sell that vehicle, I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue you, this dealership, and I'm going to sue Toyota. I'll sue all of you and I'm not going to stop until they fire you because you're useless and I'll tell them you're not representing their brand. I'm sorry you feel that way, but there's nothing I can do for you. That's it. I'm calling my lawyer again. I'm sorry you feel that way. Have a nice day No, but i'm serious. I'm calling him as soon as I get home and he's gonna have your butts have a nice day The temperature in the room dropped about 12 degrees when he said that the entitled hag storms out Digging in her body bag of a purse for her phone. The guy looks up and calls me over. Let me guess I say she's threatened to sue before Oh, last time she was going to demand that toyota not only fire me But that they sue me for all the money they've ever paid me so I would die penniless in a ditch Oh, wow. Okay. Here's my business card If she starts telling them you said some horrible stuff to her have your boss give me a call And there we go a quick little story to end off today's episode. Um, yeah, honestly OP good lad by the way for doing that at the end because you know what like as i've said multiple times in multiple stories The customer is always right all this rubbish. I mean personally i'm not a fan of it But I get it that is you know what stores kind of have to do and because it is just this one worker's word probably against this woman Yes, there may be some security cameras or whatever, but really it's one person's word against another it's so important what op did at the end you know by giving him his card saying i'm gonna back you up it makes him feel confident that you know what he was doing his job right he's got backup if he needs it and um yeah he's not gonna get fired for something that he didn't do i mean one word just completely describes a woman mental entitled dad leaves me with his children on a plane so this happened last weekend I was flying out of JFK Airport in New York, aka one of the worst airports in the US, trying to not catch the plague. Double mask, F yeah. When I was in the TSA line, I was surrounded by two families, a mum and her son behind me, and two parents with two boys in front of me. The mum in front of me was tired, like she was sitting on a big carry-on bag while her husband wheeled her about, tired. The dad was so focused on the mum not falling off the suitcase that the boys were just darting about and trying to play with the boy behind me as well. It's 6.30 a.m. I'm on two hours of sleep, so the world is just too much for me. But I also worked at a special needs preschool for two years prior to becoming a therapist, so I know how to wrangle kids on minimal sleep. I go into crowd control mode asking the boys about their interests, but reminding them we have to be quiet to talk about them. I find out the brothers are Eric, a nine-year-old, and Daniel, six, and they are really excited about going on a plane. The boys start having a quiet convo about Minecraft. The mum behind me thanks me, and we actually have a nice chat about me previously working in the special needs school and how fun it was. An hour and a half later, I'm boarding my plane, and I see the tired mum, like five rows back from where I was seated. She's at a window seat and she's already passed out. I sit and about five minutes later, I see the dad and the two boys coming on the plane. The first kid, Daniel, sits down next to me and the dad pauses for a moment, just staring at me. After a minute, I'm just like, is something wrong? I kid you not, 
This man proceeds to take the boarding pass out of his second son's hand, swap it with his, and tell his son to sit in the aisle seat. He then bolts to the row his wife is in. Once the disbelief wears off, the boys start asking me questions about the plane and snacks and the TV mounted in front of them. I am so exhausted, I don't even fight it. All right, so pretty much, I think what's just happened is that this family was supposed to be sitting in two and two. So, you know, the dad with one kid, the mum with the other. But the dad just said, you know what, screw this. I'm going to go and sit with mum. Let the boys sit together with OP, pretty much just leaving them with her all alone i show the older one how to turn on the tv screen in front of him and i tell him that you know what i'm also really sleepy like your mum, so i'm going to take a nap both of them tell me to have a nice nap and i pass out i wake up two hours later to my tray down with a mini water bottle and a bag of cookies on it apparently my new friends thought i would want a snack when i woke up great kids 30 minutes before we land there's commotion behind us and what sounds like running All of a sudden, formerly asleep mum is very much awake and looking over both kids to make sure they are all right. Both of them mention how they've been watching Moana, so they are perfectly fine. Mum then shoots her husband the neutral face of displeasure. If you don't know what that is, Google the fresh off the boat clip of it. All right, well, we'll insert it right now. Oh, speaking of, she wanted me to give you a message. neutral face of displeasure so when we get off the plane mum follows me to the bathroom to apologize apparently she took some medication to help ease her anxiety with flying but it just knocked her i guess you can't be anxious if you're unconscious her husband was supposed to sit with the younger boy while the older one sat with her yet that makes sense she freaked out when she woke up and saw her husband and in her drowsy state she thought her husband forgot the children back at jfk hence her panic Apparently, her husband thought it was a good idea to leave them with me because he heard me talking about working at a school and figured they'd be fine with me. She apologized. And when we got out of the bathroom, she made her husband apologize for abandoning our children with a stranger. The whole walk out to the pickup area, she was reminding her children about stranger danger and how they need to be careful in big places like this. Daniel gave me a paper heart he folded out of a New York City brochure. So I have a new best friend now. To be honest, OP, the way you've handled that is unbelievable. Like, put me in that position. Some random parents have left their kids with you on purpose. You're going to be a bit angry, aren't you? You're going to be like, what? what's going on here? This is my holiday. This is my plane trip. I want to chill and rest, you know, and, and have a nice time and relax. Not have to deal with your kids while you're, you're too busy just sleeping and not bothering with them. But the way that OP dealt with it, so good even from the first interaction so good the parents on the other hand what are they doing absolute monks the mum i don't blame because she's put the responsibility on the dad clearly she doesn't like flying and you know gets anxious fine but the dad you know what screw these kids we'll just leave them with this random stranger on board and to be honest yeah i probably should have left them at the airport that's what he's thinking mental now moving on to our second story of today's episode and this to be honest is even wilder than the first narcissistic mum thought she was immune i have to put my foot down my mum lives with her husband and my aunt about four hours away and has been whining the entire year that we don't go visit her as much as we used to i can't quite express in one post just how stressful and entitled she is but she is the type of mum you read about on this sub I moved away with my husband because her toxicity is so bad for my mental health. I just can't deal with her. And the more I distance myself, 
the worse she's gotten She is my mother though and I do love her and she has her good traits But I just can't spend my life arguing with her Well currently I am 38 weeks pregnant and with covid I haven't felt safe traveling Especially because she and her husband refuse to get vaccinated She's also a smoker. So she is pretty high risk herself. Well about a week ago all three of them got sick which they kept secret i only found out when they called a few nights ago complaining that her vegas birthday trip had to be cancelled because they were all sick my aunt is elderly and high risk she's fought cancer twice in the last two years and couldn't talk or breathe past coughing they only called me because i have a friend who works at their hospital and they wanted me to demand that my friend provide special treatment for my aunt when they finally decided she was bad enough to take her to hospital well surprise aunt has covid and not only have they been ignoring the clear signs they've been going around town to shops and restaurants and the casino daily and probably spread and infected who knows how many others i told my mum it's absolutely non-negotiable at this point she cannot come and visit my baby without a covid test so she got one just to prove a point and lo and behold she tested positive too she is a huge fox anti-vaxxer who touts her immunity and claims the virus is a hoax well now she and my aunt and likely her husband have it and she thinks she can sneak by without telling me to meet my baby her birthday was yesterday and she whined about how it was her worst birthday ever because i didn't throw her a party while i am days from giving birth and she has covid she expected me to drive four hours and throw her a party she also told me she plans on going out with my cousin to dinner and gambling tomorrow to make up for my worst birthday ever so she has zero plans to isolate when i expressed my concern and disapproval she yelled at me and made me feel guilty for nagging her on her birthday the whole pregnancy she's panicked about how soon she can come to visit me before the birth and even went as far as inviting herself to stay with us for a month afterwards at least this diagnosis gave me a clear reason to put my foot down and give her a solid no answer to visiting us right now i just think it's insane that she's willing to put her own daughter and only grandchild at risk By the way, my husband and I, as well as my husband's family, got vaccinated around 20 weeks into my pregnancy. So I do feel relatively safe around them, but I'm still a bit worried, especially since my family is so clearly careless. She's just so selfish. She put so many people at risk this week. She's part of the problem and I can't have her around us right now. All she cares about is getting to hold a baby. She doesn't even give one single care for anyone's safety. But to be honest, I don't care how many guilt trips she's going to give me and how many times she'll whine or cry. I need to protect myself and my baby from her. I'm actually worried that she's just going to show up or do something just as dangerous in the future. I'm tired of arguing with her. She still doesn't think she's wrong and thinks her positive test results are a lie. But I don't care. She's not getting in my house. She's not getting in my hospital room. And she won't be holding my baby until she gets a negative test result and a vaccine. Now, OP, uh, you're probably not going to like what I'm going to say here, but there's actually a really easy solution to this. Well, at least a short-term one anyway that will at least make him think a little before doing what she's been doing. Just report her to the authorities. She's breaking the law by not isolating, having COVID. Literally, that's breaking the law. Now, I don't know what country is happening in, so I can only really speak from experience in the UK. But if you have COVID 
and you don't isolate that's breaking the law and you're going to be fined you know so it's it's gonna at least make her think if she has some sort of criminal stuff put up on her in whatever country she's in and again i don't know the rules but you know just just report her just make her make her know make her realize that what she's doing is illegal i mean you're right as well like think about it there's nothing to stop her just rocking up at your house or you know at the hospital clearly she has no care for her safety or anyone else's she's just lying to herself and the world and putting people in danger genuinely you need to report her not just for everyone else's safety but for your own and your baby because that's mad what she's doing is just absolutely crazy and there we go guys that is going to be it for this r slash entitled parents movie i believe this is now part nine in my entitled parents the movie series let me know if you guys enjoyed it drop a like comment down below i really hope you did and if you want to see more videos just like this some of the other eight entitled parents movies i've done well i've chucked four on screen have a look take your pick they're all great trust me i made them oh and by the way if you have watched all the way through this entire video and you're still watching mad respect to you i love you i'll see you tomorrow with a brand new video planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.